Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, listen, uh, we are really happy to have uh, Alan and Hashmarin Griffin with us. They are friends of our church and have been here on multiple occasions for 17 years Alan and Hushmarin have been itinerant evangelists. That means, you know, they don't have, they have a home church, but they preach in different places almost every week. Uh, if you remember, they have the Accelerate program as well. That's a program that partners with local foster care kids, kids that have aged out of the foster care system, and they provide life skills. It is a wonderful ministry. He'll probably tell you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, but, you know, this may be the last time that we have them for a while because a few uh, months ago, Alan and Hashmarine accepted the call to pastor uh, First Assembly of God in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So after 17 years of being able to preach the same message every Sunday, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, No, it's a great church, and they have a great opportunity for ministry, and it's just a change of season uh, for them. They've given, they've been road warriors, faithful road warriors uh, for years, so it may be a little while. I always try to bring them in at least once a year, maybe a little while longer before, uh, before we can do that. I want to mention as well, they start in March, and so we want to take an offering for their ministry. They're still itinerant evangelists, so, uh, you know, you can write a check, put it in the drop box, you can give on the app, however you want to do that, but we want to bless them. They have made great investments in our church, and we want to be blessed, we want to bless them, and uh, so we're excited to have them this morning. Would you make welcome to Generations Church, Dr. Alan Griffin. Good morning, church. Oh, it's good to be home. I missed you. How y'all doing? Notice I said home because I just looked at pictures from Winston-Salem and it's snowing. That's not my home. That is not. I rebuke snow in the name of Jesus. Man, we are so excited about what God is doing here. And I want to invest a little bit here today of what I believe God wants me to share with you. It's so amazing that this whole service has been orchestrated by the Holy Spirit, that we sang what we sung today, because today I'm preaching about worship. So lean over to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about worship today, and it might get loud. (laughs) I love my job. This is great. Everybody should do my job. Oh, oh! by the way, um, last time I came, I didn't get to bring my pookie, but my pookie's here with me. Honey, why don't you come up here and say hi? This is my lady. Good morning. It is so good to be here. We absolutely love every time we come, and I love it when I get to come. So we live in Daytona Beach for a few more months, and then we're going up to North Carolina, but we absolutely love it there. We have two boys, Israel and Isaiah. They are 19 and 17. Um, our 19-year-old is 6'9", and he is on a travel basketball team, and he's traveling and doing online college courses. And then we have our 17-year-old Isaiah. He's 6'1". And um, he is a great student, loves church, and he says hello. And um, they both eat two dinners, so pray for us. (laughs) But it is so good to be here. I'll be in the back later. I would love to say hello to everyone if you could stop by. Okay, thank you. Thanks, baby. Oh, yeah. Next month, 24 years that she's been deceived. I don't know what she was thinking, but I'm gonna keep it going. This is awesome. And so today, I I just want you to grab your Bible with me, turn to Daniel chapter three, Daniel 
chapter 3. And I want you to get the video ready for me, technical genius, because um, last year, you guys are so generous. What, what a generous church. And, and last year, through all the pandemic, through all the garbage the devil tried to do to shut this thing down, guess what? The enemy always loses. We are more than conquerors. Amen? So last year, with our Accelerate program, what we do is we serve kids that are coming of age, turning 18 in foster care, and we, we serve them with 16 weeks of discipleship and life skills. Um, over 90% of our students accept Christ for the first time in our program. They're then baptized in water because we kind of push them. <laughs> but then about half of them or more are baptized in the Holy Spirit. We call that bilingual, and it's awesome. And these kids' lives are changed, not because of the gift we give them, but because of the gift of Christ in their life and the church. We are the family that kids in foster care greatly need and desire. And um, at the end of the training and, and their discipleship and they graduate high school and they either get a full-time job or a full-time student or a mixture of both, we give every student then a well-running used car. You've helped us over the years, and at this point, we've given over 140 cars in just under 10 years right here in the state of Florida to kids in foster care. It's amazing, and, and the overflow allows us, the giving and the generosity allows us to bless them at Christmas. Every year, we invite them back. We call it the family reunion, and it's our Christmas party, Jesus' birthday party, and we spoil our students our former students and current students, and when they have babies, we spoil those Accelerate grandbabies. And we want them to know that we love them and that our relationship is not just for a program, it's for a lifetime, that we're family, and that's what family does. Well, the, the best thing is we tell our kids, invite whoever you want, invite friends, invite spouse, invite loved ones, and they invite people, and every single time, because of you, people get saved. At the Jesus birthday party, we give Jesus the gift that makes heaven go buck wild. Salvation. So I wanted to give you our, our thank you video, and then I'm going to start yelling and screaming and preaching. You ready? Play that funky music, White Chocolate Man. Hey, pastor and church family. Thank you so much. 2021 was an incredible year where God gave us victory, especially in the lives of the teens in the foster care system because of you. Your giving has made a difference. We just completed our 2021 Christmas party and oh, what a party it was. We wanna show you a little bit of what God has done through your investment. Joy to the world. What a joy was experienced as 125 students, guests, and servant leaders joined us for this year's annual Christmas celebration. We like to call it our family reunion. Each year, the Accelerate program invites all former and current students to a Christmas event where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ together. Most of our kids do not have birth family with which they can celebrate the most wonderful time of the year, so we have blessedly become the family they so desperately need. This year, our volunteers met our returning Accelerate family with joyful smiles and expectant hearts. Chef Marcus Brown from Baltimore, Maryland, traveled all the way to Daytona Beach to prepare an incredible feast for our guests. Chicken, salmon, mashed potatoes, and mac and cheese. Mm -mm. An amazing, amazing meal. Our master of ceremonies was Dr. Darren Williams of Port St. Lucie, Florida. Dr. Williams communicated the gospel of Jesus' miraculous birth with his unique spin leading many young people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Pastor Jay Toro from Calvary Temple, Augusta, Georgia, made sure all of our guests were welcomed and informed. As the former National Director of Accelerate, his heart for these students abounds in love. Pastor Taylor Murphy came to us from Grand Rapids First Assembly in Michigan. Our guest MC was an inspiration and source of love for six Accelerate classes over the years. This group of Accelerate directors served the distribution of gifts and oh, what a bounty was provided. Because of your generosity and giving, we were able to give practical and exciting gifts to our students. And then toys and other gifts provided to the children of our Accelerate students. 
These gifts will now be able to be presented as parents and they can wrap the gifts, place them under the tree and bless their own children. Oh, those babies. We love those babies. What a night. Love shared, hope renewed, and soul saved. God is so good. One student shared with our team that he never felt the love and hope of Christmas that we seem to celebrate this year until he gave his life to Christ. He said, Jesus has made me a better friend, a better employee, and a better man. Thank you, church, for your hospitality. Thank you, pastor, for your willingness to invest and give to the need of these amazing young people. We are changing lives for generations, and the legacy of your investment in love will never be forgotten. Merry Christmas, and may God bless you greatly. Isn't that just fun? I love winning. I love winning. And we saw 11 that we have already counted. 11 people accepted Christ at that party for the first time, gave their life to Christ. That's incredible. I think God deserves worship and glory for that. Oh, man, I have so much to cover, and I got some way to go. Let's go. By the way, we're going to take that program to North Carolina, and we're going to shut the devil down. It's going to be amazing. So when you give today, we're taking the program. We need $100,000 to launch the program in North Carolina. If you help me, we're going to go, and we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for your investment. Are you ready for the word of God? If you're ready, say preach. Okay. It's all, you, you said it. You said it. It's your fault. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1, we're going to dive into this message as fast as we can and you're going to get as much as I can give you before we go to lunch. Here we go. The Bible says this, Daniel chapter 3 verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then did the king set together together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the councils, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to be gathered together unto the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then did the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the councils, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. <gasps> this is fun, isn't it? <laughs> then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso not falleth down shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Mm, that's messed up. Somebody say, that's messed up. Wherefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, all the people, look at your neighbor and say, all the people. Look at us and say, everybody bow. Say it like we say, say, everybody bow. All the people, all the nations, and all the languages fell down and worshiped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Father, this morning, I pray before we walk out of here, we would understand the value to your kingdom and to our world of a lifestyle of worship. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen, amen. I love reading the word. And today, we're just going to go through one chapter in the Bible, and I'm going to show you just how fun the word of God is. One chapter, so much happens, it's unbelievable. In this particular scene, we have a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody say that name, Nebuchadnezzar. That's a cool name. Like, if I had a little dog, I'd name it Nebuchadnezzar. I got a big dog, okay? So her name is Bentley. But if she was a little dog, little dogs, you got to give them a big name. Okay? So little dog, you name it Nebuchadnezzar. It'd be awesome. That way, when somebody breaks in your house, you'd be like, Nebuchadnezzar, come get him. And the robber's like, ah! Right? But if a robber comes in your house, you have a big dog, you don't need all that name. Okay? You just go, Tina. <laughs> Either way, you win. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar, little dog name. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted worship so bad 
that he erected a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide, solid gold statue of himself. And then he said, if you don't worship it, we're going to kill you. Now, I remember reading that, and I go, man, this dude, is he's messed up. He's lost his mind trying to steal worship from the God of all gods. See, I learned this about the Babylonians. These people would adopt the gods of the nations they conquered to make the transition of their ruling these new lands easier. Deceticism is what they would call it. And so he had adopted even the instruments of every nation he conquered. You notice the coronet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery, throw in the dulcimer, that's the Jews. He threw in every instrument that was related to their culture that wasn't yet represented because he wanted to make it easy for them to worship him. Everybody in here knows worship is not supposed to be easy. It's a sacrifice that we give. It's so easy just to sit there and not do anything. But I don't know how you can sit there when they're going, it might get loud, not just want to rock. I was about to rip my shirt off and run across the room. I was like, where am I right now? This is amazing. But man, it's supposed to be a sacrifice. And what he was trying to do is seduce people into worshiping him. You know, I learned a lot about these Babylonians. They worship every god they conquered, which is weird, because they never conquered our god. But they worship the gods of every nation they conquered, except the one true god. Oh, yeah, they worshiped all kinds of stuff. Check this out. They worshiped an air goddess named Shu. <laughs> a Shu. <laughs> That's dumb. I'm not going to say that again. They worshipped a sun god, like, like Egyptians, Ra. They worshipped a, 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 a sky goddess, a sky goddess. They named her Nut. They worshipped a cat god, Bastet. How you gonna worship a cat? They're too little to be worshipping. I can understand a dog, roof, but a cat? Meow. How do you even worship a cat? They're so, I worship you. Oh, mighty cat, there is none like you. I give you catnip and a scratching pole. That's dumb. That is, but, but here's what, what I want you to understand. The, the empire that was alive back then, the spirit that was running that empire is alive today. And the purpose of the spirit is to rob us of our worship. Worship today is not in music alone. Worship in song is part of it. Worship is a lifestyle. It's an action. It's the way we do things. It's our focus. And what the enemy wants to do, that's the punk sucker MC devil that was working back then that's still using the same old tricks today. What he or she, whatever we call the devil, wants to do is they want to steal your attention away from God. So think about it like this. Pets, they worship cats. We worship pets. Oh, yeah, we love our pets. We love our pets more than people. We are in love with some pets. You know, in America right now, we will spend more money on our pets than we will on our own families. Get this. Average human funeral, if you you add it up across the country, $800. Do you know what the average pet funeral costs? $2,000. We'll bury our pet with more honor than our papa. That's jacked up. (laughs) And we spend a lot on them, too. Did you you ever see that show late late night on TV when we were kids? I mean, it's been like 10 years since it's been on. But it was called Feed the Children. And Larry Jones ran this this little program. We could feed the children of the world for $1 billion a day. $1 billion a day we could feed the children of the world. And in America, this year, we will spend 60 billion dollars pleasing our pets not feeding them not veterinary care that little sweater for your dog them dog biscuits 60 billion that's 60,000 million pleasing our pets you can't tell me our distract we've not been distracted 
that our eyes haven't been taken off of what really matters. Check out what they did. They worshiped the earth god named Jeb. Oh, snap. I'm about to preach right now because we worship in the earth too. Worshiping some gopher turtles and some sea lions and some, some, some dolphins. And what's the biggest week on TV? Shark week. I mean, we love the earth. But here's what's funny. We don't love our babies. Mm, I'm preaching. This is good. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Before they're born or after they're born. We only want to take care of them. But we'll take care of some spotted owl. We'll stop building a building for a turtle. I'm preaching right. This is, good. this is a good time for us right now to reflect on the goodness of the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. You like Campbell's soup, Jesus. You're mm, mm, good. Thank you for putting up with my craziness. You know what I'm saying? They worship the God of the dead. They worship a dead God. How you gonna worship all these weird gods, but not the one true God? They worship a dead God. And that's what people still doing. Mm-hmm. Joseph Smith, guess what he is? Dead. Buddha, guess what that joker is? Muhammad. The founder of Hare Krishna. All of them dead. Why are you going to worship somebody who died? Oh, but Jesus died. Oh, yeah, he did die. Jesus died. But three days later, he kicked the end out of that tomb, and he rose again. If you want to talk to him, he'll answer you because Jesus is. He's alive. They worship a dead. What's a dead guy even going to tell you? Don't come up. Don't come down here. Everybody dead. It's just weird. They worship so many weird things. And what the enemy wants to do, and this is what I talk about worship, he wants to distract us from our focus in life, which is glorifying God with everything that we do, so that we, for just a moment, just turn our focus away, just a couple of degrees off of the center. If we just turn a little bit away, all that happens is we start to drift. And then we get to a point in our life where we go, dude, how did I get here? How did I get to this place where I feel so far away from God? How did I get so distant from the presence and the power and the anointing and the joy and the peace? How do we get to the point where I'm fighting with people on Facebook about junk that doesn't even matter? My cat is way better looking than your kitty cat. Stop talking to me. I don't know what we argue about on Facebook. I'm just saying. It gets us to the point where we're so far removed from what really matters and we start fighting the wrong fights. First huh. John says this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For any woman or man who loves the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he or she that does the will of God shall abide forever. We tend, I tend, to fall in love. I do. I fall in love with stuff, man. And the stuff tries to own me. It's happened since I was a little kid. I remember I grew up in the church. How many of y'all grew up in church? I grew up in church. I'm, I'm a church rat, okay? I've... I don't know what it's like to have that big rebellious stage. I never had it, okay, because I was scared of my parents. Some of y'all weren't, okay? Your parents must not have been scary. Mine were, all right? So when I got married, I was 25 years old. I'd never been drunk. I'd never been high. I never had sex to my wedding day. That was hard because I looked good. Hey. But I was scared of my mama, okay? My mama would have killed me and raised that baby. You know what I'm saying? I would have been dead. You'd have been like, where's Alan? Dead, just like Mahari Krishna and Elijah Muhammad. And so I knew, I knew growing up I had to do the right thing. I had to serve God and and follow God. But I chose at eight years old on my own that I was going to live for the Lord. And I remember when worship would kick in at church and (laughs) when worship would kick in, you know, we were broke back in the day. Y'all remember when we were broke, when Pentecostals were poor? See, that's old school. Pentecostals used to be broke, all right? We were on the lowest totem pole of prosperity in the Christian world because we were the newest. We were the gutter people that came up and went, "Uh uh-uh. You know, we're going to rise up in the spirit. We're not just going to rise up with Bible knowledge. We're going to rise up with a show of demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And, And But we weren't the cool kids on the block. And I remember when worship would start and we'd go to church and we'd stay at church all day. It wasn't because we were spiritual. It's because the church was nicer than our house was. 
Like they had AC up in that church if you were blessed. And so we'd be in church, we'd be like, man, this place is tight. I love it here. I'm never leaving here. They paid the electric bill up in here. This is great. And so we're in the church and the worship would start. And broke people worship like there ain't no joke. Broke people desperate. We acted on our desk. We put our desperation on display. And the songs weren't even good songs. Remember that? Those Maranatha songs with two million words. They had so many words. It was like the screen. We had the, the, the transparencies on the wall. And the transparency would be full screen of words. You're like, I can't even read. Can you, what's that word? Propitiation. Okay. And the song wouldn't even be that cool. Every song sounded like a Jewish-Irish limerick. Let your spirit rise within me. Remember that? Let your spirit rise within me. You set my feet a dancing and my heart rejoicing and my mouth singing out of your praise. These songs were whack, but we were desperate. We would do anything to worship God. And so that song would kick in and we would jam that song out, baby. We would clap. We would jump. We would do that that kickstep dance white people taught black people. This one dance y'all taught us right here. And we would go crazy with that dance. And, and there'd always be one person who went too far. Y'all have a person in your church that goes too far? Sister Johnson in my church, she'd jump up and, ah, that's my jam! Ah! She'd take off running and she'd break that dance down. Uh, uh, uh. And then we have these ladies with the white gloves and they get around her and do ring around the rosy and try to move Sister Johnson away from the front of the church. We'd be like, we got her, we got She's getting away. Bring her this way. Remember that? Or is that just my church? <laughs> it didn't even matter the song. It didn't matter. We were desperate. And what had happened was, in the 70s and 80s, we not only got filled with the Spirit, we got full of knowledge and wisdom from the Word. And I remember when tithing was taught in a strong way. And not just word faith, but faith to trust God for the rest. And man, we started tithing. My church got blessed. We got a brand new building we didn't have to pay for. I, I remember when my, 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 my dad was the pastor. I remember when I, I got to go to Montgomery Ward and get a new suit. I didn't have a hand-me-down. I'm the youngest out of five. I didn't have a hand-me-down suit. I got a new suit from Montgomery Ward, $49.99. My goodness. And I walked into church looking like a million bucks. Big old fat knot in my tie. 1981. Walking into church like I was somebody. And then the worship started. Let your spirit rise within me. And I remember at eight or nine going, I don't want to mess up my suit. I don't want to get too crazy. There's a lot of splinters on those pews. What happened to me? The love of the world. It's not the people of the world that we're falling in love with, no. It's the junk, the stuff, the garbage, the gizmos, the gadgets. We fall in love with it. And then when worship starts, we go, I want to lift my hands, but I don't want to stretch my new suit jacket. Speaking with a British accent, knowing you're from Tallahassee. <laughs> what happened is I fell in love with something other than God, and he wasn't as important I wasn't willing to sweat out my suit. As I got older, I got more mature, and I figured out something, man. No matter how nice the outfit is, it better have some moisture-wicking material because when the worship of the Lord begins, when I step my foot out of my house every day, I'm supposed to wear myself out worshiping and glorifying Jesus. Every step I take is for him. It's all for him. Can't fall in love with cats. Even though they're cute, they're so cute. I watch cat videos all the time. They're so cute. But I don't want to fall in love with that. Because I don't want to be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And when I read the word, I awaken my mind. Awake my and sing. I awake myself to the realities of who's really important and what's really most valuable. And it's him, my creator, your creator, our king. So let me jump into this real quick. 
Everyone bowed down to this golden image, okay? He erected it. It was 90 feet tall, 9 foot wide. Six solid, six school buses weight in gold. They can't even count the amount of money it was. It was beyond recognizing. And so it helps us understand how the world is working even today. The world tried to use gold to control us even today, right? We work extra shifts at work. We miss church. We go, uh, this is the new line we're hearing. Um, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's not in the Bible. That's a lie from hell. You actually do have to go to church to be a Christian. You do. Forsake not the gathering of the saints. It's like so specific in the word. The church is not... Uh, uh, the building, the church is the people, and the only way you get with all the people is to come to the building. We're the house of we're the we're the house of God in the building of God, fellowshipping with the church of God. That's who we are. That's who you are. So when we come in this place, some of you online, I'm not telling you you're going to hell. Don't hear that from me. What I'm telling you is as soon as you can, get your boo-boo in this dojo and let Master Splinter teach you how to walk with Christ. It's amazing what happens when we come together. Shoot. Y'all catch that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference? <laughs> Just making sure you're listening, okay? Just make Master's plan. That's awesome. Where was I? So there's three young Hebrews who said, I'm not bowing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, also known as their original names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And when they didn't bow like everybody else bowed, something went down. Certain wise men, Chaldeans, go ahead and throw it on the screen, came and accused the Jews and spake unto Nebuchadnezzar, saying, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, has made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image which thou hast set up. There are certain Jews whom thou hast served over the affairs of Babylon. They do not regard thee, nor do they worship your gods, nor they worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded that they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king. And these three men stood before the king. And he said this, is it true? O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now... If ye be ready, at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and then he throws in dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that you bow down and worship the golden image which I have made? Well, but if not, sucker! Wait, that's not in there. Did he say sucker? Nope, he did not say. That's the ghetto international version. He said, but if not, be it known unto thee that I will cast thee the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Then he said this. And who is the God who shall deliver you out of my hand? He read that. I said, no, he didn't. He's talking trash. He started talking trash. You know what I discovered? The world's been talking trash to us for a long time. We just haven't been listening, and we haven't been responding properly. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to encourage you because you have victory already. You're like, huh? Think about it. People are constantly asking you why you do what you do. And that's all Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He's going, really? You're not going to bow? Why? And then he goes this, I'll give you another chance. That's not normal. Is that what kings do? Like you directly disobey them in front of thousands of people, and they go, <laughs> you didn't mean it. <laughs> I'm going to give you another chance. And that's not normal. Mm -mm. But I learned something about sin. The temptation to sin, the temptation of sin is even greater when it's the temptation of worship because the temptation to worship yourself instead of God is so great, the devil will give you all the second chances you can handle. The devil's like the world's greatest girlfriend or boyfriend. He'll hang out as long as you give him what he wants. It's fun, isn't it? He gave him another chance, another chance, another chance. Kind of like this. You go to work and some dude pushes up on you knowing you're married. Hey, girl, how you doing? You sure look good today. You know, I asked you about getting a cup of coffee sometime. How come you haven't responded to me? I told you, Bobby Joe, I'm married. I love my husband. Now, see, that's an opportunity to worship. But before you worship, take a moment and think about what just happened. You have not given a positive response, and he's asking, why? 
When your godly lifestyle causes people around you to ask why, what you really should be doing before you let your worship out is letting out a good, hearty, world domination laugh. <laughs> because you already won. You've already won. You're not acting like everybody else. There's something different about you, and people are asking. Like you have another coworker. Hey, after work, we always go to the bar and get drunk. How come you don't go to the bar and get toe up with us? We get toe up. Wahoo! Then we take pictures of each other with our phones in compromising situations and blackmail each other to move up the corporate ladder. Why aren't you doing it? Why haven't you said yes? You should go. <laughs> You've already won. Because your godly lifestyle has caused people around you to ask why, why, what is so different about you, what is it about you. Right then is your opportunity to worship God with your life. You can't always break out in song. Even though life is a musical, you can't be like, and I had the time of my life. You can't do that right then. But what you can do is tell them the truth. The mistake I make, maybe you don't make it, but I've made it, is I try to be honest instead of telling the truth. Why won't you, you know, go to coffee with me? Some hussy, some dude trying to push up on you. Can you say hussy here? Because I just did. Um, and they know you're married. Don't be honest. Tell the truth. Honesty is, I'm married. I love my wife. I love my husband. That's, that's honesty. And people think honesty is the best policy. It is until... It blocks truth from hitting them right in the forehead with love. Honesty is how you feel in, in current situations. The truth is eternal. They shall know your honesty and the honesty will make them free. No! They shall know the, the truth and the truth will set women and men. Not your honesty, not my honesty. We, we, we tell people things honestly instead of telling them the truth. There's only one person who's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father, gets to heaven, gets through me. Without me, they can't get there. So we have to go zero to Jesus on people. Okay? Stop being honest. I'm married. You know how Jesus feels about that answer? He hates it. He's in heaven going, really? Really? You don't give that poop answer right there? That's terrible. That's terrible. And then, why won't you go get tore up drunk with me? Well, I used to be a, you know, struggle with alcohol, and I went in a 12-step program, and I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Jesus in heaven. <laughs> I hate that answer. Because that answer didn't set anybody free. It was honest, but it's not about the truth. We've got to tell them the truth. Because nothing good comes of me on my own. It all comes from God. Every good and perfect gift, every good idea, every good thought, everything that's good comes from him. So give him worship. Give him praise. When people question why and what you're doing, give him praise praise when he keeps asking girl let's go get that coffee i'm married girl let's get that coffee i love my husband love is the only thing that matters love love will keep us no it won't my love doesn't even want to take the garbage out my love hates emptying the dishwasher don't tell me about your love because your and my love did not die on a cross did not resurrect three days later and it will not change their life the love they need to hear is the love of the Lord, the love of the creator, the one who made us all. Tell them about him. And it's fun, too. Let me teach you ladies how to do it. You ready? Okay, don't, don't look at me crazy. Okay, when he tries pushing up on you and you ain't having that because you're a woman of God, you put your hand up. Remember we used to do this? Put your hand up right now. Your right hand. Put it up. Every lady, you better put your hand up, white girl, right now. I'll come down there and sit on you. <laughs> Keep that hand up. Put that hand up. Okay, remember we used to say talk to the hand? We're going to go Holy Ghost on them this time. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Snap, if you can. Snap. Cross your heart to the right. That's a Holy Ghost cross snap right there. 
So what you do is you snap them four snaps and you say these words. You don't know me. Let's practice. Ready? One, two, three. You don't know me. Okay. So what you do is he goes, hey, girl, why don't you go get that coffee? What do you say? You don't know me. Now you testify. You might not know who I am, but back in the day, I might have took you up on an offer like that. But one day Jesus came into my life and he delivered me and set me free from acting a fool. I'm not what I used to be. I'm the bride of Christ. You know what? You can look because you cannot touch. I was bought with a price. Go zero to Jesus. And then when you're done, say, I can pray for you right now. And your relationship with Jesus could begin. And watch what God does. Because you've already won. The moment they notice there's something different, you've already won. That's your open door to lead them to Christ. Why won't you get drunk with me, bro? How come you won't get toe up with us? You look at them and you do not say, you don't know me. That's not for men. That's for the ladies. <laughs> what you do is you look at your brother and go, you don't know me. Ben, let's do it. One, two, three. You don't know. Put your hands up, white chocolate. I will kiss you on your forehead and turn your milk, cho- your, your, your dark white chocolate into milk chocolate just like that. I wish you would not raise your hands right now. I'm going to kiss you right on your ginger, beautiful forehead. i kiss. Is that bad to threaten people with love? Is that bad? <laughs> I'm so dumb. Give me a Okay, so men, you're going to go, you don't know me. Ready? One, two, three. You don't know me. Yeah, you did good. I might have used to been getting tore up and drunk before, but one day I met Jesus, and Jesus has delivered me. Oh, every day ain't perfect, but when I have him, I know my Redeemer lives, and no matter what goes down, I'm not walking away for nothing. You went to the bar and got a hangover. I went to Generations Church and got a Holy Ghost makeover. Let me lay my hand on you, and let's see what God does. Shaka Khan, see what God does. They're going to start running. Get that fire on them. I'm crazy, huh? This is the year we're going to be bold. This is the year we're going to stop fighting the wrong fights and fight the right ones. We're not going to be keyboard commandos this year. We're going to be kingdom commandos. We're going to share Jesus with everybody. And you're going to win. I'm telling you, there is a multiplication harvest on this church. Your church is about to explode in growth. And I'm speaking the truth and prophetic word right now. There is a multiplication gift blessing on this church right now. Times three is what the Lord is saying to me. You're going to go times two really soon. And times three over the next 18 months. You just watch what God does. But you are the workers. You are the kingdom servants that will make this happen. Your pastor's not going to make this happen. Your first lady, ooh, she's a beast for the king. She's not going to make this happen. You and I are going to make this happen by serving, loving, reaching, sharing, and going zero to on our world. The minute they respond to the king, king got tickets off it. Here's what the Bible says. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Our God, I'm sorry, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us out of the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, sucker, that's my other ghetto translation, be it known unto thee that we will not worship thy gods, nor bow before the golden image which thou hast set up. Their answer clearly dictated their allegiance was not to the king of Babylon, but to the king of kings. And not to the lord of those lands, but to the lord of lords. And guess what happened? King tried to kill him. Look at your neighbor and say, you haven't lived until the devil wanted you dead. Listen, if you're not the devil's enemy, what are you doing with your life? The devil should hate you. He should. I, I heard a, a story a long time ago. I don't know who did the story. I don't know who came up with the story, but it was some famous you know, man of God or woman of God, and they were laying in bed, and they said the incarnate uh, example of the devil showed up in the room, like a demon showed up in the room. They said it was the devil, but I always wonder that because I think the devil spends most of his time in the White House. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Like, why would you waste your time with me? Like, there's great leaders in the world. You know what I mean? Like the prime ministers. And why would you be hanging out with a preacher? Anyway, so the devil shows up in their bedroom. And <laughs> the story says that this, this woman or man of God is laying in bed. And they sense evil. You ever sense evil when you're sleeping? It's the worst. And they roll over and they see a demon. And they go, oh, it's you. They <laughs> went back to sleep. That's awesome. Because that's not how the devil responds to a Christian. The satanic spirits in the world, when you wake up in the morning, they're like, no, no, he woke up. Oh, come on. It's awesome. Every day you're awake, the devil gets ticketh off it. He hates it because every day you're alive, victory is in your mouth. Victory is on your feet. The Bible says this, everywhere you step, that ground belongs to the kingdom of God. Therefore, it belongs to you. When you open your mouth, victory is underneath your nose. When you open your mouth and talk about God, nothing can stop you because the word will not return void. It will do what it was set forth to do. Everything about you is victorious and transformed the world around you. Jesus describes you as salt, light, fire, and water, and all of those things transform the communities and the things, the entities that they encounter. You are a world changer. Come on, piano person. Where's that cute little piano lady? Because she's going to make me sound spiritual. Make me sound spiritual, girl. Y'all get anything out of this? Has anybody else's oatmeal worn off? Like, I'm, I'm hitting about quarter tank right now. This is so good. Youth pastor, I need you. Come here. If you're going to abuse anybody, abuse the youth pastor. <laughs> I love you, man. Let's look at the people. Come on. So, the Bible says... Their response ticked off Nebuchadnezzar. And in his rage and fury, he commanded that they heat the furnace one seven times hotter than want to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind. Everybody say bind. To bind. Put those hands together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And to cast them in the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the, and the furnace exceeding. I'm sorry. Thank you for showing me that. The mighty men bound these men in their coats, so fully dressed, in their hosen. So imagine Babylonians with scimitar-curved swords, with turbans, and the, the, the short pants with, the, with the, the hose, with the pointy shoes. That's how they dressed. Okay, so now you see where they are in the world. They were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, their turbans, and all their garments. So they wanted them to suffer. So their clothes were going to burn, and they were going to burn slowly in that fire, and it was going to be miserable. And they bound them. Put your hands behind your back, because we learned a long time ago um, in Rome to bind men and women behind their back. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you. Whenever you make your stand and say, I'm going to serve Jesus, my family's going to serve Jesus, we're going to worship Jesus, and when people talk to you and ask you about your lifestyle, you share Jesus, the enemy declares war on you. Don't you worry about that sorry devil. Don't you one minute lose sleep. You look at him and go, it's you. I was just wondering. I didn't know if my tire blew or if it's the devil, but now that I see you, it's you. I'm going back to sleep because you know what? Greater is he that is in me than the sorry devil that is in this world. I ain't worried about no devils. I just want to know who I'm fighting. But the enemy wants to get you bound. Just like those strong men bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He wants to bind you, not in front. We learned a long time ago, you can get loose. They used to bind them up above. They found out they could use their weight against their captors and leverage. So it was in Rome that they discovered to put the bindings behind you. Because when you're bound from behind, you can't see what has you bound and you have no leverage against your captor. The enemy wants to bind you from behind. In other words, he wants to bind you in your past. The things you cannot change. The mistakes you and I made that were in our past. He wants to remind you of what you used to be and try to stop you from being who God's called you to be now. He uses a word like this. Don't be a hypocrite. You know how many people are afraid of being a hypocrite? Let me help everybody in this room right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a hypocrite. Tell me. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're a hypocrite. Tell him. 
See, you're scared to do it. I said, look at your neighbor right now. You're a hypocrite. Tell me I'm a hypocrite. When my heart breaks, who's going to put it back together? My heart ain't broken. This ain't a musical. Every one of us is a hypocrite. So why are you letting the devil talk you out of sharing your faith? Because he knows you're going to make a mistake in the future. You tell your friends, I'm not perfect, but Jesus changed me. And if I make a mistake, I'll make it right because I want Jesus. I don't care about anything else. I want you to know him. I want you to know him like I do. He's not going to make us perfect, but he is. And he's our example. We're going to walk hand in hand with him until the day he takes us home. And that day, the Bible says, we're going to be perfect. That means everybody going to be black. Did did I just say that? It it is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. King. He's the man. I love me some Dr. King. Little fun fact about Dr. King. I've been traveling and preaching um, actually longer, Pastor. Um, Over 30 years I've been traveling as an evangelist. Um, Out of 34 years in full-time ministry, I was four and a half years a pastor. The rest of the time I've been an evangelist. And um, so like 29 years right now um, on the road. And I've traveled on United Airlines during that time, um, 2.6 million miles. I've traveled on Delta Airlines, something around 600,000 miles. Um, U.S. Airways, that's now American Airlines, I've traveled about 200,000 miles. So about 3 million plus miles in you know, 29, 28 years. Let me tell you how cool Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is or was. In 11 years, he traveled and preached 6 million miles. That's over double what I've done in three times the time. That's unreal. He preached over 2,500 sermons in 11 years. Wow. He wrote five books over those 11 years. Bestsellers. My favorite part about him is that (laughs) he was voted Time Magazine's Man of the Year at like 30 years old, but he was voted a year later, two years later, the most hated man in America. Like, that's incredible. When he was alive, people hated him. But he never ceased to go zero to Jesus. And it's why people ended up going, you know what? Homeboy, right. Brother's right. Because he kept Jesus as the focal, the focal point of where we are. His mama was shot and killed, murdered at her church, in church. And look what the family did. They gave him the death penalty, and the family said, please don't. Please don't give him the death penalty. We want his soul to be saved. And if you hurry up and kill him, he might not get redeemed. That is worship. Giving everything you have to making everywhere you go better with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a leader. That's a hero. That's who we need to be at your workplace. You're a doctor. You're a professional at being you. Just make sure that everybody else hears about the Jesus who made you. And don't let that sorry devil bind you with your past. Here's what they did. The Bible says they bound them, and then they cast them in the midst of the fire. This is my favorite part of the story. But the flame of the fire slew the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to put them in the fire. That's awesome, even though it's kind of rough. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro, that's my cousin. They, <laughs> I'm never getting invited back, am I? This is, I'm sorry, it's true. When I was a kid, I thought it was a bad Negro. I was like, I knew we were in this story. We're bad, bad, boy. They fell down. <laughs> 
bound. So hit your knees right there. I'm going to hold you so you don't hurt your knee. They fell down bound in the midst of the fire. This is what the enemy's been trying to do to you, to stop you from sharing your faith. He's going to throw you down bound, beat on you with your past, beat on you with your children, beat on your life with the pain of your, of your mistakes and the regrets that we all have, beating on us with that so that we'll close our mouth and not tell people the truth, that we'll try to be honest. You know, I'm not a good guy, but, you know, I love my wife. And that. No! Don't you do that. Don't you let them do that to you. The Bible says, then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished or astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did we not cast three men in the midst of the fire? They said, true, O king. He said, lo, I see four men and they're loose and they're walking and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, this is my favorite part of the story and I'm done. Okay, I promise. I promise. I promise. We're gonna have some great time praying for you today. But this is so important. The enemy wanted to shut them up, so he bound them. The enemy wanted to stop them, so they threw them down. And the enemy wanted them to, to, to go away, so they tried to burn them up. And everything they did failed. Because when the king looked at these men, he didn't see Jesus before the fire. In fact, when they came out of that fireplace later, they didn't see Jesus after the fire. Why? Because the Bible describes Jesus like this. The best description I love in the Word, it says this. He is a very present help. He is even more present. He is even more apparent. He is even more near you in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble. In your problem in your fireplace in your greatest struggle so the world that's the king didn't see god until the people of god were in trouble then jesus is like oh no son you're gonna throw my boys in the fire i'm gonna show up jesus shows up in the fire and the bible says this their the, their hair wasn't burned their clothes weren't burned their bodies weren't burned. The only thing that was, that was burned were the bindings that they bound them with. <laughs> Let me preach for just a second. The enemy's been beating on you, trying to get you to be quiet, trying to shut you up, trying to shut you down. And when you fell and hit your knees in prayer, guess what? This position he's been beating you into is the position of the devil's worst nightmare. Right here is the position of worship. Lift your hands right there. Right here is the position of prayer. Right here is the position of breakthrough. The enemy loses and we win. Now get up on your feet and let's walk. Let's walk. Let's walk, 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 let's walk. This is the walk of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. Jesus is walking with you. Today is our day. We don't hold back our worship for nothing. We don't hold back our praise for nothing. It's more than a song, baby. It's our testimony. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, loving, loving not our own lives, just like Dr. King, even unto our death. We are more than conquerors. Victorious. The fire you're in right now, it's not going to work. The struggle you're in right now, it's not going to work. It's not going to stop you. The attack, the sorry enemy, and even family and loved ones and neighbors and Facebook friends and now Facebook haters, they're not going to stop you. It's not going to stop you. The mistakes you made in your past that you and I deserve to pay for, they're not going to stop us because God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We win. We win, y'all. So they came out of the fire. And the scripture says, the king saw men on whom the fire had no authority. My favorite line is this, and I'm done, I promise. Oatmeal's gone. 
They said that the men didn't even smell like smoke. <laughs> Man, I've been through some stuff in my life. I've been through pain. Haven't you? But when God brings you out of this thing you're going through right now, people are going to look at you and think you have it all. You got it. You look at your pastor and you go, he's got it all. He's got it all together. You look at your first lady. She's perfect. She's got it all together. And they would look at you right now. She would say, baby, you don't. Pastor would say, because of Jesus, I stand here. Because of Jesus, we're more than conquerors. I didn't always have victory, but he is my victory. I didn't always have breakthrough, but he is my breakthrough. I haven't always had the life I have now. I'm going through stuff even now, but greater is he. And I trust him with everything. Can we stand up when I count to three? Stand up and give the Lord the greatest ovation this morning. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Let me ask a couple questions because we're going to pray right now. Some of you in this room are in a fireplace. You're like, Alan, I'm going through hot time right now. Things are difficult. Things are, I'm struggling. The, the enemy's been attacking me. People been attacking me. Family, loved ones have been attacking me. I'm under stress and strife and I'm going through if difficult seasons and times. And it's hard to keep a praise on my mouth right now. Because it hurts. And it's real. If that's you and you're in this room, you're like, Alan, I'm going through a difficult time and I need, I need Jesus. Just like he did with those young men. I need him to be ever apparent. I want to be more aware of his presence in my struggle so that I can walk through this in faith. If that's you, you're going through a difficult time and you want Jesus to be ever more apparent. Walking with you during this time of your life. When I count to three, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to be real. I want you just to throw your hand up. And as soon as you put it up, you can put it right back down. Are you ready? We're going to pray for you. If you're going through a fiery trial right now, a fiery season, a difficult season, marriage, finances, business, education, uh, uh, any struggle that you seem to be facing right now, you're like, I need Jesus in my situation right now. If that's you, you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. You can put it right back down. Excellent. We're going to be here for one another today. Maybe you're here right now and you think, Alan, you know what? I need a relationship with Jesus. You talked about people starting a relationship with Christ at Christmas. I want to start a relationship with Christ today. Maybe you had one and you walked away and you're like, I want to reaffirm my, my commitment to Christ. Or you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You'd like to start it now. This is the most important moment of the day. When I count to three, I want you just to wave at me. And as soon as you're done waving, you can put your hand right back down. I want to know who to pray for and who we're praying with. Ready? One, two, three. Wave at me. Yeah. I love you. We're family. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? Nice. My dog. Yeah. So good. Those of you online, I know some of you are waving right now. I know you have loved ones waving right now. We're standing with you. How many of us, final ask, have loved ones that you need them. We don't just want them. We need them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ this year. This is the year. This is the season. We're fasting. We're praying. We're believing. This is the week of prayer. Next comes our week of fasting. And we're believing for loved ones that are going to have a relationship with Jesus and their life turn around. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand straight up in the air as high as you can. One, two, three. Lift it up. Me too. Me as well. Awesome. Okay. We haven't done this in a long time, and I'm sorry. We got to do this. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. Slide towards the middle and grab your neighbor's hand. If you're scared of getting sick, we got hand sanitizer in the lobby. You can wash that center right off your hands. But right now, just the people in your section, grab their hands. Grab their hands. Lift their hands up shoulder high. There's a woman on my left, your right, who's dealing with pain in her head. It's right, like as if you had a hat on, it's right like a line around your head of pain. I speak healing over you, not in my name. My name doesn't do nothing. In the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus, be made whole right now. In the name of Jesus. I just felt that come from God. I want to pray for that. In Jesus' name, be made whole.
Yeah. Yeah. There's somebody in here. I'm not sure where you are. I think you're in the middle. And you have a blood problem where you get cold and you have a blood issue in your body. I don't know if it's anemia or what, but you have a, a problem in your blood. I speak healing, not in my name, but in the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name, I speak to your body. Come into obedience to the word of God. Matthew 18, verse 19. If two or more agree as to touching anything we ask in his name, it shall be done. If our Father in heaven be made whole in Jesus' name. Somebody say that with me. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying with me right there. Now hold that neighbor's hand up shoulder high and say this prayer with me. You don't have to yell it, but speak it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life so I could have new life. I need your forgiveness to take the place of my sin. I confess you, Lord, as my king, my creator, and my hero forever and ever in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. We've lifted each other up. We've agreed on Matthew 18, verse 18 and 19. We've stood on the promises of God. Lord, that not only would you save those of us in this room who've chosen to follow after you and want to start a relationship with you, but Lord, you would save our loved ones who are out there in need of a, heal a healer, a miracle worker, a savior, a king. Lord, we pray that they be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and set to preaching the gospel everywhere they go as well. Lord, we pray today for people that are in the fireplace, that, Lord, you'd meet us there, like you met Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and that, Lord, you would walk us out of the very fire that you walked us into, because there's never been a moment where we were alone. But, God, I pray we'd be aware of your presence. You'd make our senses sensitive to your presence through our fasting, through our prayer time this week. May we awaken within us that we have been distracted and we would turn and walk with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Come on, say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.